Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to episode 15 of the Schmo Zone podcast. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. the Schmo. And I'm Helen E. Sports. We're here in Jacksonville on the rooftop of the Hyatt Regency Hotel. We just witnessed UFC 249. We got a big UFC fight night tomorrow night and then another fight card on Saturday night. Special, special edition of the Schmo Zone podcast today. Indeed, from the rooftop, like you mentioned, overlooking the river. But it's been quite a journey to get here starting on Wednesday. So should we backtrack a little bit? We should backtrack a little bit because I think because of the situation and the pandemic that we're living in, travel is definitely been altered. Might as well talk about that. Our airplane had maybe 30, 35 people on it to get here in the first place. I know you're a foodie. What was the food situation like? Well, rather than someone kind of walking down the aisles to give you, you know, the chips, whatever, um, basically, as you're coming onto the plane, they already hand you these, quote, goodie bags with water. And in our case, there were like mini graham crackers inside. So they don't come during the flight, but they give you a bag beforehand. So there's nobody giving us drinks. They give us a water bottle. There's no service for snacks. You can't buy food. So, you know, they're just taking all the extra precautionary measures. Yes. And I'm I'm trying to think what other differences, aside from the airport being empty, I remember in the Vegas McCarran Airport, all the slot machines, everything was blocked out. Um And yeah, just not many people there. Not many people at all. We flew here, got here to the hotel. We took all these different tests. We took the nasal navel swab right there. They pricked our fingers for the antibodies. They checked our temperatures. And Helen, you took that nose swab or that nose stick like a champion. Well, unfortunately, they had to go up both nostrils. Um, and some people probably even say like, when I talk, it sounds like I can't breathe that well. Point proven, I think since one of the nostrils, I guess it wasn't opening up all the way or something. I mean, I never broke my nose or anything and never got a nose job. Don't worry. I know it looks awkward, but, uh, yeah, so they did it through both, but I was impressed because for your case, they just went, you know, up your nose and out, like it was nothing and you were done. Well, I, we posted that on Instagram, both of us, but I put on the schmo glasses and when I'm in character, I feel like I just have to do it, go for it. I don't think, and I just went for it. And luckily for me, 
they just stuck it right up in there. She fished pretty hard for two seconds, and that was it. Wasn't a big of deal as everyone's making it out to be, though. Can't you say? But the poking of the finger part. I didn't like that. I would rather get my finger poked. I'd rather get that thing stuck up my nostril than my finger poked. It just tickled when they're taking the blood out. But hey, we tested negative. Yes, which is most important for health tests. Yeah, I would think that for most tests, when when it comes to health-related and you get the negative, it's always a good thing, right? It's always a positive. Get it? (laughs) Yes. So been here for what five six days now we've been pretty much quarantined in this hotel wearing face masks getting daily temperature checks yes and let's just bring out that noise that everyone's been making outside of being here a lot of the mma journalists a lot of media journal journalists all in all have commented on basically the documentations that we had to sign and i'd go right into it because you know I'm not going to sign anything that I don't look over, you know? Well, you were the one that, fun fact for all you Schmo fans and Dave Schmollinson fans, weren't you studying to be a lawyer at one point? I took the LSAT, almost went to law school. My brother's an attorney. You know, I, I will look over everything diligently. I won't sign anything I don't understand. And what they put in the contract is absolutely necessary. It's like... We're here at will, right? Basically, we sign two different things. It says that if we contract this virus, we can't sue the UFC. It's not the UFC's fault if we get COVID-19. Absolutely the case. Like, we're here at our own will. If we get it, you know, this is a risk we're willing to take. And the second thing is we can't say anything that's going to disparage their name that's untruthful. Like, why would we go out of our way to make up stuff that just is going to look poorly on everything that we're covering. And better yet, none of our content is there to poke anything negative. It's always positive to begin with. So it doesn't even affect that for us. But on the other end of it, it's like, look, we can give our opinions. There's nothing we can't say. It just has to be truthful and rightfully so. Now, for moving on to the day of the weigh-ins, well, first, virtual media day, that's a big difference. So if you've been following along, uh, unlike other fight weeks in the past, you may not have seen many interviews uh, from us with the fighters. Yeah, they have a virtual media day. We like to do things in person. That's why... We're people, person, person, people. People, person, people. That's why I brought out the Schmo Shield. I brought that up on the last podcast, and I have to make a correction. Tom Gillen is the mastermind. He's the engineer. That's the click tech business partner, the founding father business partner of my father, Harold K. Schmolenson. He's the one who designed the face shield. He's the one who put it out there, and I didn't communicate that right want to give Tom the rightful credit. He engineered the plastic, the shield, the prototype. That's what the Schmo's been interviewing in. And it looks great. You did quite a few good interviews with that Schmo shield. And today's guests, Herb Dean, Rashad Holloway, interviewed Herb Dean wearing the Schmo shield. You got Rashad Holloway, the striking coach of Tony Ferguson. So a loaded podcast today. Absolutely. I'm excited. 
and the one big takeaway leading up to the fight then that I have is like we're in a 13,000 seat arena and there is literally like what 10 to 12 of us media people in there and staff wise I don't know maybe around 30 to 40 what do you think yeah as far as from the arena crew members to um like the production EMS you know people you know the the Joe Rogans the John Annex the commentators yeah, well, speaking of our experience being at that live fight with no audience, I noticed, and speaking of the word commentators, like Carla Sparza, Greg Hardy, a big difference uh, fighting, I guess, in with no fans is that the fighters now can hear Daniel Cormier uh, kind of talking them, you know, talking about their fights uh, during it. And then they were able to make those necessary adjustments. And actually, they won their fight. And even where we were sitting and watching the fights, and we're going to be sitting there for the Wednesday's fight and Saturday's fight too, 11 days here in Jacksonville, 11 days here at the hotel. That's why we're trying to get some sun right here on the rooftop, doing this podcast, switching up, do it a little bit differently. We could hear everything. And we were like, I think it's an arena football stadium. So imagine the 50-yard line, the bowl where like the handicap seats would be right before you get to the lower level. That's where we watch the fight. Great vantage point, by the way, because you could look and see all the action inside the octagon and then kind of be almost eye level, look up and see the screen so you can get the best of both worlds. Yes, but... I did love how, for example, with the production, when the co-main event came out and then the main event uh, came out, as far as like with the music, with everything, the lights, I mean, it it was still as if, even Bruce Buffer was still as if there was 13,000 people there, right? Like the energy-wise. Energy was there. And then a lot of these fighters come off like a contender series or the ultimate fighter. This is kind of just taking another step to that type of atmosphere. So some of these guys are used to fighting in front of very limited crowds and they got paid. And that's what, and, and we got live sports back. I mean, it's historic. That's why we want to be here. This is a global pandemic sports. The sports world's been put on hold Never thought we would ever see this in our lifetimes. And we're part of history bringing this thing back to the people. And I'm just fortunate that we're here, we're doing it, one down, two more to go. And we're here to talk about it. Yes. Well, speaking of talking about it, like I mentioned, UFC 249, a lot of great fights, very stacked fight card. But one of them in the co-main event, because I know the last episode you spoke to Henry Cejudo, congratulations to him and also on his retirement. But Dominic Cruz had some words to say about Keith Peterson. Yes, he did. But let's talk about Henry Cejudo and the retirement real quick, because, you know, we have a good relationship with him. We saw him last week, you know, kind of knew in the back of my mind, you know, he might I didn't think this would be his last fight retiring. I knew he didn't want to fight past the age of 34, and he's 33 right now. I thought maybe he's got one or two more fights left in him. But hey, hey, thinking of the circumstances that we're in right now, leaving on the way he wants to leave, you know he's friends with a guy like Daniel Cormier, wrestling backgrounds, and DC hasn't been able to ride out in the sunset the exact way he wants. He's sitting here waiting for that trilogy fight with Stipe. Get that one more fight. 
you know Henry didn't want a situation like that. Exactly. And having a beautiful girlfriend waiting at home. <laughs> Who flew down here, and I think they're in Fort Lauderdale, parting it up right now, rightfully so. Live it up, King Henry Triple C. Uh, but no, yeah, so that's why uh, what you brought up, Keith Peterson, that was a big reason why I, you know, I tried to interview Herb Dean uh, during the Zoom conference style a couple weeks back. He could have been on an earlier show, but Herb's the type of guy that likes to do things in person, just like us. And uh, we ran into him last night uh, getting Thai food here and um, wanted to bring him on the podcast, rightfully so. This guy is notoriously, he's a legend. He, when it comes to one of the faces of MMA, especially refereeing MMA, you think of Herb Dean. Oh, absolutely. And he brought great insight into everything that's happening as well as this fight week, literally, like yeah. fight week. We and, did three fights. Yeah, and um, he was the referee for the main event for Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. So... I want to bring up first, before we play Herb Dean, your clip with Rashad Holloway, who is the striking coach of Tony Ferguson. And let's see what he had to say. Should we roll it? Let's roll the clip. It's been about three days since the fight. Uh, what was your analysis of his performance? Tony was not as sharp sometimes as we usually see but Tony was active he was busy just in case he just fought a hell of a fight you know he fought a hell of a fight um he was just able to capitalize on some of the mistakes Tony made Tony like I said Tony Tony fought Tony's fighting yeah Tony fought Tony's fight in some in some significance but at, at the same time there were a lot of things that he didn't do and I think that was due to you know just in case you put on a good performance and just you know just just is what it is some nights but what would you have liked to see Tony have done more? Um, you know, I'm a boxing guy, so I don't really go into the, uh, a lot of the other stuff. It's a lot of stuff that I don't know, so I stick to what I know. Um, our whole game plan was to stay on the outside, strike, stay long, move into our right at all times. Tony did that at times. He didn't do it as much as I wanted him to at times, but Tony, Tony's Tony. Tony likes to engage. Tony likes to bang, and that's what makes Tony Tony at the same time. He did a lot of that. Um, I mean, I, I think I would like to see Tony use his feet a little bit more. You know, Tony did some some good teeps in the beginning of the fight. Yeah, like when he stayed long, he did very well. Did very well at keeping Justin on balance. A lot of good, a lot of good leg kicks. Um, of course, we all want to see Tony on the ground more. You know, with Gaethje, more submissions, um, more jujitsu. But at the same time, Gaethje makes it hard. I mean, you look at all Gaethje's fights. Gaethje doesn't let anyone take him on the ground. You know, he's a good. He does a good job at that. Takedown defense is pretty good. And you know, it was just it was Gaethje's night. But did anything in particular uh, from Gaethje's performance surprise you at all? I want to say it's patience. Um, Gaethje fought the same way that we planned. Same way that we planned, nothing with Gaethje changed as far as like his style of fighting. Like my old coach Freddie Roach used to say, fighters aren't Fighters don't make mistakes. Fighters are creatures of habit. Like he make like like fighters do the same thing over and over because it's just who they are. It's their habits. Um, and to me, Gaethje fought the same exact way. He was just a little more patient. Like when he hurt Tony, he didn't jump on him. 
didn't jump on him right away, didn't get reckless like you saw him with Poirier, like you saw him with Eddie Alvarez. He stayed patient, he stayed calm. He let Tony bring the fight to him more instead of him rushing and attacking so much. And I think it was also kudos to his corner for being able to keep him calm and um, just, just keep the game playing. Like even you will see times like when I watch the fight on video, get you wanted to kind of get a little uh, and his coach would be like, hey, knock it off. And, you know, this is how we lost. And Gaethje would calm down, yes sir, no so. And I, I think that's a big thing. Like you got to really respect your corner and really be willing to listen to him because your corner of the eyes outside of the ring, you can't see everything you're doing in that ring. You can't see. You're just reacting. Your corner can tell you, look, this is working, that's not working. But you got to be receptive to it. You know what I mean? And I think Gaethje just did a good job at that and so did his corner. Now, we know that Tony was transported to the hospital immediately after the fight. How's he feeling today? Have you checked up on him? He's good. I mean, like any other fighter the day after, like like boxing, we used to be sore. But MMA, you all are. It's a whole other kind of sore. You all are sore from your legs, your ribs, your arms, your elbows. Like, I mean, like any other fight, like he's sore. He's real sore. I mean, that's about it. But does he, did he sustain anything else or just the broken orbital bone? No, he's got some lacerations, um, some lacerations on his face um, that required a little bit of stitches, you know, a little sore on the leg, maybe, you know, his arms, but that's really about it. So what did you think of the main event now that we heard from Tony Ferguson's boxing coach? Yeah, no, what I love about that is the schmo interviewed Rashad Holloway with the face shield on before the fight. You interviewed him after the fight, and some of the things that he had brought up to me about expectations for Justin Gaethje, we saw in the fight. And, uh, man, Justin Gaethje, his striking, his boxing skills. And then you look at Tony, and you're like, Tony didn't do much grappling. He didn't do the jiu-jitsu. You didn't see many elbows from him. But I think a lot of that has to do with the respect and the level of respect because of Justin Gaethje's wrestling background, who didn't even attempt a takedown here. But just he can have that in the back of his mind, anyone fighting Justin Gaethje, because they know on the ground Justin Gaethje is a formidable opponent. Yes, and for the longer interview, because it was a very long interview, you could check it out on my YouTube. Yeah, and and my takeaway from that, Helen Esports YouTube, is that the next fight for Tony Ferguson should be Conor McGregor. It seems like the camp of Tony Ferguson knows that too. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. I mean, it feels like that fight, like there's just so much going on in the lightweight division, uh, especially like the top five, right? And yeah, I mean... I don't want to give too much away or say too much, but Rashad definitely addresses Connor and his tweets. You have to check that out. And then the interview that I'm about to play right here with Herb Dean, full interview here. Herb Dean weighs in on Dominic Cruz's comments about referee Keith Peterson, uh, talks about all this stuff that went down, like I asked him if he would have been refereeing last month in April if UFC was able to pull off the fight card in Tachi Palace um, and just pick his brain about some relevant things going on right now. Always great to catch up with Herb Dean and let's play that interview. This is the Schmo with the pro with the legendary MMA referee Herb Dean here at the Jacksonville Riverfront. How we doing? Excellent, brother. So glad that, uh, to be out here talking to you, man. 
Appreciate it. Long time no see. We just had a great UFC 249 card. You did a heck of a job as usual. We just saw Justin Gaethje against Tony Ferguson. From your vantage point, when did Tony Ferguson seem to start slowing down in that fight? Well, you know, I mean, Tony Ferguson's, uh, I mean, one of the things about him is his, his incredible heart and his pressure. And so even if he's having a hard, having tough rounds, you never count him out because he's always putting pressure, you know. Um, but towards the end of the, uh, towards, towards close to the stoppage was, um, it's, that's about when it was time. Uh, he, um, I mean, I don't want to go into particular about everything I saw, but it, I mean, it met the criteria to, to stop the fight. Uh, I, there's, it was, um. He, he was going to keep going. He has a lot of heart, but uh, I, Gaethje was there with a lot of, uh, he had a lot, he was able to hurt him most of the time when he touched him. And, and Tony, uh, I think his, uh, his chances of winning were, were uh, pretty small at that point. Uh, if you look at the cards, uh, you know, if you look at the scorecard, his chances of winning were pretty small. And what what our, our job is, we're not here to let someone continue to take uh, uh, punishment for the entertainment or the fight continue for entertainment. Uh, if somebody's, if the fight is no longer uh, competitive, we want to get people out of there so they're not taking unnecessary damage. And nobody can question that stoppage. And what was Tony Ferguson yelling in between rounds of Judge Ngagey early on? We can hear him screaming, keep yeah. going, where is that? Well, yeah, that's his energy, man. He's, he's It's one of the great things about him. He brings that energy. Let's go. No matter what, he's like, okay, come on, let's do it. Let's go. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, he was, but nothing uh, disrespectful, just uh, bringing that energy. Like, hey, we're here to fight. Every round we're going to fight. Let's uh, get out here and do it, you know? And the co-main event, it was Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Your colleague, Keith Peterson, was calling that fight. Dominic Cruz, after he was stopped in the second round, he had some harsh words for Keith Peterson, talking about cigarettes and alcohol on his breath. What'd you make of that stoppage and that accusation from Dominic Cruz? Well, you know, fighters, I, I, I think that a fighter, I, I excuse anything really that fighters say or do in the moment of a loss because people want to compete so bad. And, and these and to compete at this level, you know, it takes more than anyone ever knows. Uh, so I've had fighters angry with me or a fighter push me in a moment, I'll walk away. And then when I see them later on, everything's all right. Um, it's, it's really rough with Dominic because Dominic is such a, um, he's so good at what he does. He's so good as a fighter, as a technical fighter. He's, you know, he's changed the direction of the sport in a lot of ways. And as an analyst, he's very uh, technical. And, when, and he actually, he's one of the guys that I actually go, I've actually talked to him about some of the critiques he's had of even my job and other people's job, because when he does have a critique, he has a reason for it. And, you know, so that's what I'm always looking for. I don't want someone who just says, you did a bad job. I want someone who's going to say, well, this is the reason I don't like what, what happened. And so, um, you know, I, he's someone I always want to hear from in, in that situation well, for those reasons. Um, as far as the, the accusation, I don't, um, I don't. I didn't smell alcohol on Keith Peterson. Uh, Keith Peterson was around us all day, and and let you. I'll tell you this: if any of us suspect that someone's been drinking the day of a fight, there's no way that any official is going to let that pass. We're going to call someone out. This is a very serious job we do. One hundred percent. And would you have stopped the fight right then and there in the second round? Was it a right stoppage in your point of view? Well, you know something. Uh, it's it's a very it's a tough situation, and uh, you know Dominic Cruz uh, he wanted. 
wanted to keep fighting, and he, uh, as they all should, and and he's a competitor, and also he's a very uh, smart and uh, eloquent person when it comes to breaking down a situation. So I mean, uh, I I heard the things he said. The thing about the stoppage though was. It was, it was, it was, or I would just say it's a very tough situation because um, Dominic got hurt and Dominic was looking, trying, uh, you, you know, you gotta, when someone gets hurt as a referee, you're going to, um, your job is to manage the fact, manage the threat that's coming after them while they're trying to recover and get their faculties about and be able to do the right things. And it was quite a while and there was a lot of shots coming while he was, um, while he was trying to get it together. Keith Peterson made a decision based on what he saw, and I think it fits within, uh, within the standards of, of, uh, of a stoppage. The situation changed in that split second, and that's a bad situation for anyone. So is that the situation we want? Of course not. But uh, can I, looking at it, can I see anything that he did wrong that I, that I would have done different? I, I don't think so. And, and I definitely look, because we look at every stoppage, ones that other people make, ones that I make, because uh, we're always trying to figure out a way to do it better. But uh, at this point, I can't see anything that he could have done differently. It's just unfortunate that the situation changed in a split second, and we always want to get the right result. Absolutely. Now, last month, the boss man, Dana White, wanted to bring the UFC to Taki Palace. We wanted to get the fights last month. It obviously didn't happen. Disney told them to stand down. The governor and senators of California, they have strict guidelines in place. Would you have been a referee at Tachi Palace if the UFC was to have happened last month? Well, I'm glad that I didn't have to make a decision on whether I was going to, uh, you know, it's a lot of things going, you know, we want, this is our sport. We want to continue to do it as much as we can. Uh, at the same time, you know, uh, there's the, there's the spirit of what's, of, of us all trying to come together to uh, combat this situation that we're in and uh, at the same time what's uh we all want to be team players and uh and, and stand together to get through this time so i definitely don't want to do anything that's that's uh that's irresponsible and not uh you know trying to get through this you know so when you got the call for refereeing here in Jacksonville, was it no question? Did you have anything that you had to weigh and decide? Or did you know in your heart that you would be here? Well, I, I, you know, I, I was going to be here because Jacksonville, the, in Florida, they've decided that, that this is the direction we're going to go in. You know, I, um, I'm not the one who's, uh, who's managing coronavirus. I just do what they, I just, you know, I take the advice and move on, you know. I, I don't claim to be smart enough to figure that out. If the government says, hey, you know, come together and try to shelter in place or do whatever, that's what I'm going to do, you know. Um, so, yeah, when they, it's, it's being managed by the Athletic Commission, and it's, uh, there's a lot of smart people working on keeping us safe here, so I'm here to referee fights. Yes, you are. And speaking of refereeing fights, how does the environment over at Star? vary from a contender series what are the similarities and differences well you know it's it's a uh, it's more like a, like a contender series or like the ultimate fighter uh because there's no one really there cheering it's contender series there's more people there cheering their families are there there's coaches there's a small bit of an audience the ultimate fighter there's uh only the the teams the fight teams that they're on uh as far as they're cheering um and here there's even less than that so i some of it, I think that there's there's a, a lapse in the, uh, you know, you kind of miss that energy of a crowd. I mean, for me, myself, when I'm there and there's like 
a whole arena full of people screaming at the top of their lungs. There's a certain level of energy there. Um, also, it makes my job easier. I know when those big fights, I might have trouble hearing the bell. I'm like, I'm really talking to the timekeeper, man. Make sure you hit those things loud. Make sure you hit. I want to definitely know when the uh, when the time is up. Um, the the other thing though is that I've always thought that the Ultimate Fighter felt more personal. Uh, the fights felt more personal. You can hear the movement. You can hear the canvas, the, the footsteps on the canvas. The, uh, you can hear the breathing, the pace of the breathing. You can hear uh, every noise. You can you can really feel. It seems more real. It seems more like a personal fight. You actually hear when someone's spirit is starting to slow down and starting to break. Um, and it's so uh, there's a difference. And I, I think the people might uh, um, people might enjoy. Uh, you know, seeing the fights that way also, you know. And Herb, how are you enjoying your time here in Jacksonville? The Schmo saw you out at dinner last night at a good Thai restaurant. How are you enjoying yourself here? Uh... I like to uh, get out. I, I, I enjoy cooking at home. It's been good for me, uh, but a little bit of environment is nice. That Thai restaurant has a great environment, so we like. Well, I like some environment, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know. Mm-hmm. And what can you tell all the people out there, all the fight fans there, to encourage positivity for this world that we live in moving forward? I think it's. I think the the thing that I've been seeing is this is the first time in the that I've seen everybody on the same. Or so not everyone on the same page, but so many people on the same page uh, in the world of trying to confront an issue. And I think it's a that's a it's a good thing out of that. I think uh, I do feel good about that. I've just been hanging out, uh, just doing stuff around the house, and you know, doing a lot of things that you know with my busy schedule always on the road that haven't been done, and so it feels good. I've been doing a lot of projects that that really needed to be addressed and I feel good about it. I've also spent a lot more time on social media and it's been fun getting to interact with people. I've been doing you know what I've been doing I've been doing um it's just app cameo where people can book shout outs yes. and it's been pretty cool. It's like I never thought that when I started refereeing that all around the world, on the other side of the world, people would reach out to me and just me talking to them would be able to bring a little bit of joy and whatnot. I've got to be a part of like people having their first child, someone defeating cancer and they're reaching out to me to say hi and encourage that person so it's actually felt really good it's uh it's a blessing it, it uh yeah it feels good you're an influential guy a lot of people want to hear from you and you've probably never had a time off like this in your professional career so why not yeah no it's been really cool i've been i've been enjoying it yeah he's herb dean he's a legend on the schmo here in jacksonville we're out Let's talk about something to wrap everything up with this podcast that's near and dear to my heart. We did watch episode seven and eight of the Last Dance documentary, and I'm just going to go out and say this. The takeaway I have for everybody is not only was Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time, which I've said numerous times, but he's the greatest competitor of all time. Everything he took to heart. Every single game was a new challenge to him. Every single season was a new challenge to him. Everything he made a personal mission. And I think when you watch those episodes, you will get that sense, get that taste. And just, I've said this before, the superb amount of excellence he achieved in his sport, in his time, outweighs what we've seen in other athletes in their given sports during their given eras. As always about the GOAT, very well said. And remember, didn't he, wasn't he getting teary-eyed? 
It's getting teary-eyed. I loved when um, they showed him the iPad with Gary Payton, the glove. Greatest defensive point guard of all time. Schmoe's interviewed him before. I, I, and it was great. And, and, and we've gone back and forth. And uh, I just love how he bursts out laughing when he, um, the glove said, yeah, we had him and everything like that. But Michael Jordan, you know, it was his first season, like full season, playing basketball after his father was murdered. I know. I just, look, Michael Jordan, go emoji, enough said. I was crying when they showed him in the locker room after he won the fourth championship, not giving up the ball, being being alone there, and even a half court, like, they're bum-rushing him and wouldn't give up the ball, wouldn't give up the ball. Will there ever be another Michael Jordan? Rhetorical question? We'll leave it a rhetorical question. Now, Helen, what do you look forward the most for the next five days we have left here in Jacksonville? Which fight, whether it's tomorrow night for UFC Fight Night or the following UFC Fight Night Saturday night, what fight are you looking forward to the most? Well, of course, I'm looking forward to the fights tomorrow, but because we briefly saw Walt Harris, uh, I'm looking forward to his return against Alistair Overeem. Huge fight huge fight and then Wednesday night's fight looking forward to that the most Anthony Lionheart Smith Glover Teixeira Glover Teixeira I think he's ranked oh. 8 right now Lionheart's ranked 4 OSP OSP wait against wait. Ben Ben Rothwell the veteran I mean there are so many good fights put your money where your mouth is go to mybookie.ag promo code schmozone they will match up to 50% of what you put in. So let's say you put in $500 worth of bets. They'll give you an actual $250 on top of that to play with. Go make some bets. What other sports are on? Exactly. Have some fun out there. Grab a pizza. Grab a pizza. We are poolside. I hear DC on the phone. Daniel Cormier chomping at the bit it's happy hour here the sun's coming down you drinking a mimosa tonight maybe maybe yeah maybe and then the other fight the action-packed fight i i'm looking forward to tomorrow too i, w- I don't want to forget this alexander hernandez alexander the great uh, drew against drew dober two chiseled men that have chips on their shoulders that are going to entertain. So if you're looking for a fight that's going to be entertaining as hell, it's going to be that fight. Yeah, there's so many great fights. I love it. I love that. Also, it's like every few days, right, there's another fight card. So, yeah. Got to make sure Ben Rothall wears his schmo glasses if he beats OSP. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how OSP is going to look. Yes. In their heavyweight, I mean, when I uh, walked past him, I was like, how the hell? Like, was he a light heavyweight, right? He's like, he fits the heavyweight very well. That's right. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, write in the comment section any questions you want to ask these guys in the post fights. We yeah. all have mics. That's the one thing, precaution that the USC has been doing. They've been great with this social distancing everyone's wearing masks around the hotel um six feet apart um we all have our own mics at the post fights too so ask away put it in there we'll see what we can do exactly 
Type your questions below and should should we say it? I'm Dave Schmolenson. She's the pro. Helen Esports. Episode 15. We're out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.